Welcome to We Shadows, the podcast about design and technical theater in the Twin Cities. I'm your announcer, Anita Kelling. In this episode, I sat down with Mixed Blood Theater's Catherine Campbell for a fun conversation about what it's like being a production manager in a pandemic. This conversation took place on December 21st, 2020. talking to Catherine Campbell, production manager of Mixed Blood Theater. Welcome, Catherine. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I, I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> you surviving? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's been nine months. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, so you're a production manager. Can you explain in layman's terms exactly what your job is? Uh, yeah, so if you asked me uh, nine months ago, uh, a production manager is the person that oversees the budgets, the schedules, the logistics, and hiring. All the behind the scenes to make the designer's dream come life, uh, come to life on stage uh, and kind of make the spectacle come to life. And it's really keeping things on time and in the triangle of, uh, of um, fast, cheap, free, uh, and also making sure that it's balanced within everyone that's working and whatnot. So it's kind of the behind the scenes mechanisms of making sure that the production works, the manager of the productions. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get into theater and why did you choose this field? Uh, actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, I did not want to go into theater. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to have my own show on Food Network, and I still secretly do. Uh, but I think with everyone baking bread during the pandemic, I'm a little behind the curve. Uh, but so um, there wasn't a cooking building finished at my high school. And my best friend was like, let's go into theater together. And I'm like, nah, no thanks. And then uh, I saw this show called 3060, which is based on uh, the Neo Futurist show in Chicago and New York and L.A., and it was 30 skits in 60 minutes. And I was like, I want to be in that show. So then I joined uh, theater in high school and then decided to pursue it in college, even though I secretly told some people I was doing psychology to look like I was doing something really epic when people don't <laughs> believe in the arts. But I was like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, let's see. Why did you make the Twin Cities your artistic home? Uh, it was actually a fluke a little bit. Uh, I had been working in California first, then DC, and then had been in New York for some time. And I saw this job and someone said, you should look at mixed blood. And I was like, what in the world is mixed blood? And they're like, it's a theater. And I'm like, okay. They said, where is it? I said, where is it at? They said, uh, Minnesota. And I was like, Minnesota. I was like, that's a flyover state. <laughs> like, I'm not going there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, so, uh, ended up talking to Jack Ruler, the founder and artistic director, and really fell in love with the mission and the a vibrant new work that's produced there and social change. So I was excited about that. Um, and I thought this was going to be a pit stop, and now I've been here for three years, uh, and I'm kind of getting the hang of the community and uh, the theater scene. Um, so maybe here a lot longer than I ever expected. <laughs> well, that's very lucky for us, I think. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, 
Okay, how did you build your network and gain the work that you wanted? Oh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope you can answer that question because sometimes I don't know. Um, oh, God, I was not ready for this. <laughs> um, I would... <laughs> you know, I think everyone comes in at it a little bit different, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, I had a few mentors in college that connected me. Uh, I will remember that uh, there's a lovely gentleman named Chil Kong. He's now the artistic director at Adventure Theater in D.C., and uh, he was a professor in college, and he took me to this thing called the Ovation Awards, which is like the quote-unquote Tonys of Los Angeles, and I remember he was introducing me to all these lovely people and they kept asking, do you have a business card? And as like a freshman or sophomore in college, I was like a business card. I don't have a business card. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, uh, and so really learn to connect and send thank you notes and uh, 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 coordinate in- informational interviews. And if I didn't get an opportunity or a job, ask someone out to tea or coffee after because it's important to keep the conversation going. Um, and then in each state I've been to, it's kind of a small world. Like people I worked in with New York, I've worked with here or LA or vice versa. You kind of cross paths kind of all over the place. Uh, and really your network, you're trying to support in all forms. Um, I would also say, uh, most recently USITT is a huge, uh, place that everyone can interconnect and re, uh, reconnect through the year. And then the production manager forum is a large network of production managers across the country. And over the past uh, few months and beyond, as a uh, co-chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee, we've been meeting bi-weekly or twice a week, excuse me. I always (laughs) mess up that term. I probably shouldn't admit that as a production manager, but uh, (laughs) to hold anti-racism sessions. Um, So it's, uh, it's, it's a good network in that form. But I don't know, you meet someone new every day. It's kind of funny. You'll meet someone at target or the grocery store and somehow you know it's six degrees of separation somehow that probably didn't answer your question but there you go (laughs) well I mean everyone comes at it so differently I mean there's a lot of paths in Minnesota that people that are from here take and it's interesting to find out how someone who is more of a transplant to our lovely little frozen tundra (laughs) how um how you all adapt when it's actually it's actually hilarious because a director I worked with at Mixed Blood, I stage managed under in college. And then one of my professors is actually a local designer in Minnesota. And so it's just, it's just weird. You never think you would connect with these people again, but wherever you go, someone's going to pop up. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like airports. I always look around in whatever airport I happen to be in. <laughs> And there's a good 50-50 chance that I'll see someone I know. (laughs) Right, Um, right. Exactly, exactly. So uh, you mentioned that you've had some good mentors uh, in in your education. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about them and how they helped. Oh, man. Uh, I don't want to miss a good one. I would say my first one is someone named Eric Bowles. He was my high school theater teacher and I'm still in contact with him. Uh, And I was really mentored by him and wanted to be a theater teacher like him and learn everything. Uh, And he's been a good connection pushing me through and watching my my, uh, journey since I was a freshman in high school. 
uh, wanting to be an actor and thinking that if I auditioned for the one part no one was auditioning for, I would get the part. But then I learned <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> uh, and I, sorry, I, I will, <laughs> I will go back to the question. But I auditioned for um, you can't take it with you for the one uh, one human in the show that has this uh, accent. And I asked everyone who they were auditioning for, and no one was auditioning for that. And I put on a terrible accent. And, and they were like, I was like, well, no one auditioned for it. So I got it. And then, so I learned from mentors, especially Eric Bowles, that, uh, if you don't, if someone else doesn't get another part, there's a, there's a system of how it works. <laughs> um, that I would say, um, uh, I would say I held some internships, which did, uh, were paid internships. I did not take any internships that were not paid or had a scholarship associated um, and a lot of direct supervisors at Center Theater Group and A Noise Within and Wolf Trap have been good mentors and connections for uh, long term and building that bridge. For instance, at uh, Center Theater Group, uh, the internship coordinator there, um, she connected me to Wolf Trap and I never thought of going there, but it's a really strong internship program that has scholarships and they pay by the hour and it's a full time uh, internship. So they really have a strong education system. Uh, who else? Um, let's see. I don't know. There's so many, but like, I'm not naming them because I don't want to call people out and they're like, I'm not your mentor. Oh, I would say, um, someone, when I first moved to the twin cities, um, Jack Ruler connected me with Stu, who every technical person I swear to God knows he's just like a legend. Um, and it was such a gift to be able to go to the Guthrie uh, at least once a month or more and just hold space and have conversations that were challenging and informative and both dealing with similar situations and just talk to another individual that is mixed and BIPOC in the field and production. Um, so he he's a great force. And I would say um, all the other production managers in the main forum, like we all mentor and connect in some form across the country. And I think that's great. Um and I would say uh, Jack Ruler is definitely a mentor. He's like, <laughs> uh, he's like a guide in a way. You know, sometimes we we butt heads and we can agree on everything in a second. Um, so we're we're kind of a a funny team in a way. But he's definitely uh, been a guide and a good person to uh, have as my direct supervisor since I've been here. But uh, I can name more, but I'm just gonna keep it brief. So if I didn't say your name, I still think of you and I'm grateful for you. I'm sure you're maybe listening to it, maybe not. But if I've worked with you, you've mentored me in some way. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about um, how things have changed in COVID-19. Because I know um, just watching um, Facebook and things that Mixed Blood has taken on so much more than their theater mission during COVID-19. How has that experience been? Uh, it's It's been a whirlwind uh, to obviously have a pause on productions, but to really shift of what we're doing and really focus on more of a mission of social change and action than uh, artistic. Um, so for instance, in the response to George Floyd, the youth of the um, Cedar Riverside community inspired a pantry uh, and they asked to do it at Mixed Blood. And as a production manager and technicians, we were there to be the helping hands to elevate it and uh, figure out how to distribute. But really it was their 
they're bringing that we had to uplift. It's almost like they were the designers. And as a production manager, you were like, I have to make your dream happen. Um, <laughs> so we were doing that. Uh, then one of our colleagues asked to distribute masks to the um, community. So we must have received thousands of masks and there's thousands of people in the, the area. Um, and one of my colleagues, Abdu, was heading that up to make sure that the community was aware about COVID and being uh, cautious about it because there is some disbelief about the situation, not only in that community, but in all of the, uh, the states, if, which is why we're still in the situation to this day. Um, but we're also trying to figure out um, how to be virtual and connect with people in some way. Uh, we've been having some conversations uh, online with previous individuals. We had Keith Ellison and we had Kenny Leon and Jamil Jude. We just had uh, Aditi uh, Kapil and we just um, with um, Andrew Hinderacher. I think I said that name right. I apologize. But uh, yeah, we've been trying to figure out how what artistic we can bring online when everyone's zoomed out at the end of the day. Um, and we try to produce a show in the fall and we originally got approved to do it by equity with all of our protocols, but at a week before we were about to go into stage management prep and rehearsal, uh, the numbers were too high. And so we had to cancel and pull out, but we were really trying to push to do a show and make it safe. Um, but there's going to be a lot of hoops to jump through uh, to figure that out in the future for a theater. Yeah, <laughs> definitely that. <laughs> Um, so what goals do you still have for your career? Assuming that we all get to be. Oh man. <laughs> <back at> it. <laughs> um, I hope I make some good dinner tonight. Just kidding. Um, uh, you know, what's funny is, um, I have my eyes on a few institutions right now and that list gets smaller and smaller as I see what, uh, who's taking over at those institutions, what work they're doing. Um, and what their mission really lends itself towards. Uh, one of my dreams, actually, which I am going to make happen one day, is to work the Olympics. I would really love to not not like run in it. I'm not like a, I could run, but not that fast. But like mm -hmm. run the logistics behind the scenes of it. Like to like say I worked the Olympic opening ceremony. I think would be exciting um, or something of that matter. Uh, I would love to be a director of production one day at some institution, but I would really like to get a little bit more under my belt before I get there. Uh, there's some thoughts in my head about maybe teaching, especially because that's what I wanted to do first, but a mentor who I did not outline before, so sorry, uh, you know, really <laughs> told me that maybe you should go into uh production management first. And then once you have years under your belt, you'll have more knowledge to give back to the classroom than you will. If you're like in my high school production, we did this. So at least you have a range of knowledge, but um, I don't know. I want to do something uh, big and impactful. And then there's some days where I'm like, where, where do we have to give our time to better is, is the arts it and the arts is still where my passion is, but where's my energy most needed right now. Um, and I will tell you that if you asked me uh, a year ago, I would have a more direct answer, I think. I, <laughs> I had something in mind uh, and things have changed dramatically. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I'm going to plant my roots here for a second and we'll see where the wind takes us. 
That sounds like a great plan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you always fall back on that celebrity chef thing too. Um. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I actually, so I would love to be on Supermarket Sweep if that's opening. Like I would love to be on that show. I would push my cart through that aisle um, or on... um, or like on Chopped or something, I probably would make the worst dish and the, the chef would be like, I'm not eating this, but you, you, you can dream, you can dream. <laughs> okay, so back to production management. How has your practice changed over time? Like when you first started out versus now or slightly before uh, COVID? Um, I will say uh, it evolves because it's so different at every institution you work at, whether it's live entertainment or education or nonprofit and the size of the theater. Um, so it really changes based on where you're rooted in, uh, especially in the scope of the budget and the range of people you're working at. Um, I would say my production management has shifted to try to focus more on the people, which sometimes we forget to do when we're trying to, uh, get the budgets in line and get things on schedule. And that's my hope as we move forward is to try to put people first instead of deadlines and the, the needs. Um, and that's a huge thing that I think needs to shift in theater is people's health and self-care um, and how we are asking them for things is so important to get a production to life. But at the same time, it's quality over quantity, not having people work to the, you know, two in the morning. Um, so I think, that's going to be a shift for me in the future is how we have a more balanced lifestyle in theater. And I think this pause has allowed me to see that like what we were doing was unhealthy uh, and what we model as production managers can be unhealthy as well uh, because we are sometimes working just as many hours or beyond. And so that's the model we're modeling. And so we need to have those barriers set for ourselves and for our staff, whether they're full-time, part-time freelance to be protected in the same way. Um, And then I would say my approach to it has changed. Um, Luckily at Mixed Blood, it can be a little bit more artistic where at some other institutions, you're pretty in your own specific lane, but I appreciate right now to have the exploration at a smaller institution um, that has very big dreams, let me tell you, (laughs) to, to navigate in other areas to learn more. We're at other institutions, sometimes it's like you're only in production like you'll talk to this department at this meeting, but like, uh, stay in your lane, you know, don't speak up in this moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's really interesting that you brought up, um, some interesting, um, thoughts and terminology about, uh, lanes and I'm, and, and, you know, how we're kind of reimagining theater in this moment that we're paused and I'm, thinking about, and I've had kind of like side discussions with people about um, gatekeeping and opportunities and and things in the theater. And, and I look at Mixed Blood as, as one of those places that actively tries to uh, open gates rather than to keep them. And right. um, yeah, so I, I, I'm thinking about you know, the theater scene in Minneapolis and St. Paul as a whole and how we can encourage rather than discourage people's participation in theater um, 
and because there are so many barriers, um, money, yeah, there um, equipment to, in order to do your job, and <laughs> and just education and the pay that comes with it, and how do we keep people that are choosing to go into the arts in there, and how do we get a diverse um, pool of talent in that'll make everyone's work better. Yeah, and I think, you know, during this pause, we're saying that uh, uh, theaters need to show up in a different way and provide more. Um, And this is definitely in the Twin Cities, especially with some uh, smaller to mid-range theaters of what we're supplying people for their time, what we have set up for their success, um, and making sure that we're giving just as much as we're receiving or at least meeting halfway in that point. And uh, um, someone I was talking to the other day, we were joking that... um, we have during this moment, we could have another mistake or another job change coming up if it, we needed to because of this pause, but maybe where we are in our career as well. So if we just wanted to shift, we could do that. Um, and I really hope in theater that and other institutions and even our own or not mine, but the one I'm associated with right now, uh, that we can give the liberty for people to explore other mediums more. Um, and I uh, appreciate that people have their expertise in one area, but to try not to silo someone in one spot, be like, okay, they're the props person and that's great. But like, what if they have a real knack for scenic design or like, what if they have a background? What if they're the master electrician and one day they really want to design, but everyone knows them as the master electrician. And it's like, that's great. But like, we really need to elevate that. And how do we get our community to those areas? Or this designer has been uh, designing at this level for so long across these theaters. How do they reach that next theater uh, without having a national presence, even if they're local or, or, or vice versa? And so what are the access points? How do theaters take down the barriers to get in and be in the know? Um, but also, as you just said, you know, um, how do we diversify the talent? Um, and how do we do that well over time, especially being in Minnesota, which has a uh, a decently populate population of white uh, backgrounds, but we need to do the work to find them and not just assume that that is all the talent that is there. Um, so it's going to take time. It's not going to happen mm-hmm. overnight, but I really hope that, you know, pay can change and time that we request to people and just the, um, what we give back at the same point, because we're asking people to create something uh, for our institutions that's, they're receiving and we're receiving all at the same time. I hope that kind of made sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What advice would you give to someone just starting out? Oh man. I, you know, I was just, um, I was just uh, so grateful to be in a class with Carnegie Mellon production manager and uh, technical design students. And I, first off, I just want to say if someone is going to school right now, God bless you. Um, you are a fighter. I could not do it. So I am so impressed. Um, I would say someone who's first starting out, um, I would say don't give up because I was easily wanting to give up uh, in the beginning because it's very hard to figure out where where you fit. When I first was out of college, um, uh, I got an opportunity that was contracted and freelance for a period. And then I didn't have anything. And for a few months, I was searching and just applying to every department, every department, development. I got you. I can call some donors. I got this. I was applying to like admin assistant. I was applying to like the runner for this or all over the place. And like 
didn't really know what bubble I wanted to be in. But I would say one thing I would advise uh, is that really know your worth um, because I almost accepted a job that was extremely low in a very expensive area of the country. I really wanted the opportunity, but I know it would not be a sufficient amount to live on. But I was like, this is like my dream to work in the arts at this institution. But you also have to put yourself first and realize like, I need to eat more than one bag of ramen per week. And so how do you figure that out? And when you say no to something, something better will come along, hopefully in the future. Um, And really expanding your network and looking beyond uh, the horizons of where you live, because I will say I was uh, so thankful to grow up in California in the golden state. But I think one of the best choices I made was leaving California to go to other states to really experience what else is out there. And I really hope I can continue to do that because you pick up wisdom and stuff everywhere you go. And I know that's not an opportunity everyone can have and do. Um, But, uh, you know, if you're offered a job, really request things in the offer that there's a moving package or things like that. And as I say this, if someone listens to this and you need help, feel free to reach out. I am not the expert and I still struggle to negotiate, but I think that's something is to know your worth, to have a goal in mind and, and know that you may not reach that goal the first time, but at least you're still on the path there. I mean, I had some weird things to get where I was. So, (laughs) and I'm still, still trying to reach other things. I'm not, I'm not at the finish line at all, at all. So Right on. Well, I think that's all the the questions that I have. Is there anything else that you would like like to talk about? Um, just oh, theater man. in general. Um. The pressure is on. <laughs> um, huh. Let me think for a second about that. I was not. It's like an interview. They're like, "What questions do you have for us?" And then you don't ask yeah. a question, and they're <laughs> like, "You're not going to get the job now because you don't care about our institution." Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, I yeah, I've had that thought process so many times. <laughs> you're like, when will I hear from you again? Um, no, I, I I would say right now we're in such a weird time, and I would say as production managers talking locally and nationally, we're all trying to navigate what our job even means anymore. Um, and and so privileged to still have a position of some sort. But as I was saying to you. Uh, prior to the top of this recording, um, we're all taking on so many different responsibilities. I'm learning more about health and COVID than I ever knew about and uh, hand sanitizer and what's in it and what's in the vaccine and, you know, uh, uh, swabs and, and uh, all of that. And as someone who had COVID uh, and it feels like centuries ago, I had it and we're still figuring out how to get through Uh, how to come back as a theatrical force. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of hoops to go through. And I'm aware that we're the last industry to come back, but I I know there's definitely some fighters in the twin cities trying to get us back up and running. Um, And I'm thankful that uh, the save the stages had something that passed yesterday through uh, Congress. So hopefully, you know, that goes well, even though I think some of the decisions at the government level could do better for the arts right now, but uh, probably going to lose my job as I just said yeah. that. <laughs> but, um, but I think, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of work to do. And I think this pause has made us realize as individuals in this field that uh, we deserve better, um, we can do better. 
we can um, be treated better, we could earn more. And as production managers, we have a lot of responsibility on our plate to meet those requests and try to do that well. How long that will take, I don't know. And also at the same time, trying to make a more equitable, diverse, and inclusive and anti-racist environment in theater is, is many things to juggle at once, but just so important. So even though this pause is a curse for our industry in itself, I think we also needed this wake-up call at the same time to go, we all couldn't keep doing this. We all would have not crossed another finish line um, and been able to be successful. So um, I hope this new wave, when and if we come back at a fuller force, will be uh, beautiful. Um, uh, I'm not going to tell you what I think that is because I thought I always think it's different every day. <laughs> um, and I will tell you in March, we all thought we were going to come back in the fall. And uh, we were all relying on yeah. the summer theaters to let us know how it works out. And now the summer theaters are relying on us to let them know how it works out. So it's... um. It's a whole cycle of, of unknown. Uh, so I just want to say, if anyone's listening to this, uh, your patience and your resilience and your persistence to, to stay in this industry is uh, valued and appreciated. Um, and I hope we get to work together again soon to create something beautiful outside of the Zoom cubes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, again, thank you for joining us today. This has been a really lovely conversation. And yeah, I totally miss working with you. <laughs> oh, I miss working with you too. You were in my first season and you did one of my favorite shows, uh, Two Mile Hollow. Oh my God. That show oh, was yeah. so good. Was oh so my epic. God. It was so good. Such a good cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's the beauty of the Twin Cities is there's so many artists you get the opportunity to work with and also what a small world it is all at the same time uh but excited to work with newer yeah. ones and old ones uh and all the treats and knacks they bring to the stage so yeah we'll we'll get to do it again yeah. we'll do it again <laughs> yes Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Shadows. If you enjoyed it, please recommend it to your friends, colleagues, and students. If you loved it, like us on Facebook, and please hit the follow or subscribe button on your chosen podcast platform. We Shadows was created by Liaza Barons, Rachel Lanto, and Anita Kelling. It was recorded over Zencaster and produced by Anita Kelling. Our theme music was composed and performed by J. William Kelsch. Special thanks go out to the wonderful folks at Technicians for Change. We Shadows can be found wherever you search for your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in this week, and be sure to check us out every Wednesday for new episodes. Music